message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And this morning really has been one of those frustrating mornings when just a lot of coordinating things that you try to coordinate and then all of a sudden, whether it's the slides not going off or whatever it is, it's just been one of those mornings. It's really humbling. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you don't mind if you go to somebody else's house and uh, things kind of are not all that arranged perfectly. But if it's at your house and you're the one that's making the arrangements, you're the one that is putting everything together, the family reunion, the family Christmas or whatever, then there's that intensity. And you are the only one sometimes that kind of knows that, okay, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. And uh, it's been one of those mornings. And uh, I was sharing with uh, uh, the worship team and, and some others this morning, sometimes at weddings, preparations are like that. I've done over 500 weddings and some of them go off flawlessly. I mean, not one thing out of place. Other times, you can just see the rumbles coming. And I, I go up to the couples because, you know, brides and grooms, because grooms get just as nervous as, as the brides sometimes, and things aren't coming together. And, and I just remind them, okay, guys, look, you know, I know it's been an anxious day. I know things have seemed like they've been more combative instead of falling together. Instead of going like this, it's been more like that. Guys, by the end of the day, here's the beauty of what we're going to do today. You're going to be husband and wife. In church, sometimes, in all that we try to plan and all that we try to do, things just happen. And what we need to know at the end of the day is Christ is Lord. He's still on his throne. And he's given to us this hope through what he's done on the cross. That even when things don't quite line up and things don't quite happen the way that you want them to, that those truths are eternal and they're not dependent upon us. Well, that's kind of the joy that we begin to look at in this third week of Advent. Of when we look at what God brought in this promise of joy. Uh, open again your Bible to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8 through 11. Very familiar verses. If you grew up in church or if you've read the Christmas story at Christmas time, this is going to be a familiar passage to you. But I want you to look at one phrase and in really kind of one verse in particular this morning and what it has to say about joy. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I mean, what good news is brought to us there in that passage in a world that is often filled with fear? Now, I know as men, or at least I have men, you try to put on that bravado and, you know, nothing scares me. And yet the things that probably would bring the most fear to my life as a male is my job, my responsibility as a husband, my job and responsibility as, as father. You know, not a lot of things outside of that, but, you know, those responsibilities I take so seriously. And the fears that it would feel at this age and at this point in my life is not so much, well, this could happen, this could happen. No, my family and that protection of your family. Oh, your fears may go beyond that. It may be, you know, that right now finances, it could be job, it could be, you know, all kinds of sickness and worries and different things like that. We live in a broken world that was broken by our own sin 
And, and until God comes and restores everything at Christ's second coming and, and truly takes us to heaven and restores everything that was broken by sin, we exist in a broken world. And even though we have the hope of Christ, we have to deal with things that are broken. And then that fear of brokenness is usually what brings great fears sometimes to our lives. I mean, you can understand this story. The shepherds out there just kind of minding their own business, and all of a sudden a light in the sky appears. They're, they're not familiar with this story. All of a sudden they hear voices, and they fear and they tremble. And in fact, the Greek says that it's a fear and trembling to the point of death. In other words, they're one breath away from dying from this fear. This wasn't just, oh, you caught me off guard. This truly was a, a fear that began to, to go deep inside, and they, so they were shaking, what we would say shaking with fear. And yet look again at what it says. For fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What is this great news? That Christ has come and we don't have to fear anymore. We can have a great joy. And folks, that's good news. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, is joy really a word that is characteristic of your life? You know, we use the word happy. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm moody. I'm this, that, and the other. Is joy one of those things that just kind of is a, is a mindset that you're going, okay, when I think of this person, what I think of is just a joyful person. I don't know that we really come across a lot of people in our lives that we just go, you know, the one word that describes them, uh, joy. You know, maybe accomplished, maybe talented, maybe strong, maybe this, that, and the other. But I don't know that that word joy is really characteristic of just how we would describe a lot of people. Would you agree? I mean, it's great to disagree with a pastor. You're, you're fine to do that. But have you found in your life that as you go through life, that it's just, man, person after person after person, you come upon and go, man, that person is just full of joy. You walk down the hall, there's a, man, these, this whole group of people, they're full of joy. You go into work, and the first thing that comes to mind is, these people are full of joy. Well, I can probably respond, you know, your response of laughter is, that's probably not characteristic of what you kind of, you know, feel on a regular basis. I'm going to get ahead of my sermon. Do you know that there was one word that's used more? I'll give you more of the details a little bit later. There's one word used in the New Testament to describe Christians more than any other word in the New Testament. Kind of go with the flow here. What do you think that word is? Yeah. 142 times, guys. 142 times. Either the word joy or rejoice is used. Most used word in all the New Testament to describe a Christian, one who has known Christ, lives in Christ, and Christ lives in him. That's quite a challenge. I'm supposed to be this person of great joy, this is supposed to be characteristic. In the New Testament, this is the leading word out of all the words that could be described of Christians. This is the word that's used the most often, by far most often, joyful and a, a rejoicing. Those two words are very similar in the Greek. and Translators have kind of interchanged the word rejoice and joyful as they would uh, prescribe that and translate that. The question really comes down to not so much as our world descriptive of that, not so much are our co-workers descriptive of that, not so much are our husband and wife descriptive of that. Probably the most penetrating question this morning, are you, is your life described by that? When people come up and say, man, when I see Bobby Lankus, the word that comes to my mind, 
I don't even want to know what word usually goes to your mind. But I don't know that joy is one of those things that just instantly would go, man, I just, you know, when I, I see in his life, joy. So here's the challenge, guys. Christ comes, that's reality. The New Testament says this is characteristic of our mindset of who we are, of people of Christ, that we are joyful people. And yet if we feel a disconnect this morning, if somehow we feel like there's something that, that is not really the word that most dictates what most people would think about our lives. There's a disconnect there. And how do we deal with that disconnect? Why is there a disconnect? Well, this morning, rather than us feel guilty, rather than keep you know, all this stress upon you, I, I just need to be more joyful. I just need to try to be more joyful. This morning, let's look at the word and, and see what God has to say this morning as we come. This good news that Christ is coming in. Truth is, all of us have experienced this fears. We all need joy in our lives. And yet one of the things that really keeps us from joy, for the most part, is that we have a confusion on the human level between joy and happiness. Now, let me state it really, really loudly and clearly, clearly this morning so that nobody can be confused. Happy, being happy, and happiness is not evil. It is not bad. It is not unbiblical. But it's not the same as joy. And so often, because of just our humanity and, and kind of where, where people of, of in, in this kind of what happens right now is going to be dictating my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts, we really concentrate much more on the pursuit of happiness than we do the pursuit of joy. Most of the times when we describe our emotions, we describe our feelings about something, we're talking about, well, you know, that was, man, yesterday was a really happy day. Well, again, this is not bad. It's not saying that for some reason that uh, that happiness is, is evil or not good, but it is not a substitution for joy. And as we get into the word this morning, we'll, we'll see why. Sometimes we go, okay, if I can't be truly joyful, I'll just pretend to be joyful. And so we smile. Or at least we try to... Have you ever forced a smile? I mean, can you really truly force a smile? I guess you can, you know. World record smile. Anybody want to guess how long the world record smile is? Anybody. No, <laughs> that, that was, that's the old record was around, it was seven hours and something. The new record, ten hours, five minutes. Now, again, do you think that that was truly a smile that was generated from the heart? Or do you think that there was, I mean, you're trying to set a world record. And so you set that world record. There's actually, uh, you know, you can find anything on the Internet. The Internet says that the, the longest one is actually uh, two hours and two minutes. Uh, Guinness Book of World Records says no. We are the official portrayers of what's the longest, and they have it down as 10 hours. But you can watch. I watched all two hours and two minutes of it, uh, and I did not. <laughs> There's actually this girl on there, and she smiles for two hours and two minutes. Not only do you know that she's getting tired. Guys, you get tired of watching. I watched like three minutes of it, and I'm going, this is pretty monotonous. No, she's just smiling, and after a while, after three minutes, you've had it up to here. I mean, can you imagine ten hours of smiling? I mentioned there's some people that can't even imagine smiling, though. 
How many of you would admit that you're pretty transparent in your emotions? In other words, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. Whatever is here and whatever is here pretty much is here. How many of you kind of like that? Yeah, a lot of us are. I, I think you know from my preaching and everything that, you know, sometimes I get a little bit emotional, sometimes I get a little bit... If you have ever watched me watch sports, you know that I very much, whatever's in the heart, kind of, you know, it's in there. And uh, it, it kind of comes out. I'm a, kind of an emotional guy. The strange thing is the older I get, the more emotional I get. I don't know if that's characteristic of age, maturity, or body falling apart. I, I don't know. But here's the thing, guys. This joy that God is talking about this morning is not you and I sitting up in bed, not feeling that well, and just determining that, okay, we're going to put a smile on our face. Joy is something that truly is what God has brought to us by those things that are secured. Look at verse 11. What we see there is, is, is something that is not temporary. It's not kind of weaving back and forth with the winds or the emotions of our day. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hey, in, in verse 10 he says, "Okay, you're, I'm bringing you tidings of great joy. I'm giving you this message of great joy. What is it? That in this day, in, this day, a, in the city of David, a Christ is born. A hope. God has come to dwell with us. He points to something that is truly much, uh, something that is solid, that is factual, that will not change. The word Christ is not a name. He was named Jesus. The word Christ there, the reason why we say Jesus Christ, the name Christ, is actually a title. In the same way, Messiah is a title, uh, anointed one, uh, the chosen one. Those are titles. And so when we see this mentioned here, what it, the, the, the writer wants us to know, Luke wants us to know, okay, this isn't just the man's name, Jesus. I want you to know that he's the Christ. This is the title. This is the promised one of God. The second part, he says a Savior is coming, and he's, that he's the Lord, and that's a position. So what we have here is we have a, something that's solid. At the end of this day, no matter what happens, guys, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how heavy the load, at the end of this day, is Christ going to be Lord over all creation? Is there anything in your life, is there truly anything in your life, as dramatic as this life can be, as challenging as life, is there anything in your life this morning that can change that fact by the time we get to 11.59 and, and then 12.01 the next day and the day changes. Can anything change this fact? This is where our joy comes from. In one way, that's very simplistic. In another way, guys, that is revolutionary and it's life-changing. Because remember, our tendency is always to kind of focus more on happiness than joy. Kind of whatever the current emotion is. And so if everything, if you plan the dinner party for the whole family and everybody comes over and the roast is excellent and everybody brought the food that they were supposed to and even Aunt Sarah and Aunt Mary got along together and they haven't gotten along together for years. And you close the door at the end of the day and everybody leaves, and you turn to your spouse. 
Oh, man, that really went well tonight. Everything went perfect. That, that could bring you some joy, but more than a, likely it's more than just happiness because, you know, those two ants that have been fighting for years, more than likely, unless they resolve it some other way, they're still going to be fighting years down the road. We live in a broken world. As much as we would want to fix things, organize things, orchestrate things in such a way that they just kind of go off flawlessly. And some of us are very prone to that because you're kind of a perfectionist. You like that and you put a lot of energy, your own personal energy, into bringing off perfection. Bottom line is we don't live in a perfect world and things are going to fall apart. Things are going to go awry. But in this imperfect world, guys, at the end of the day, this is true. He is Christ. And he is Lord. And God says that brings joy. Remember, happiness is not evil. It's not that joy is godly and happiness is is ungodly. It's 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 not consistent. Here's what happiness is, guys. It's fleeting and it's fickle. Anybody remember what fickle means? means they were one way today and then they seemed like they were another way. Remember middle school? For anybody who survived middle school? I mean, if there's one word that kind of describes middle school sometimes and middle schoolers and just going through it, it's fickle. You know, it, well, they were my friend yesterday. Uh, you know, we grew up two girls in our house. And Carly was so much better at this than I was because I'm just the, the facts, you know. They don't deserve to be your friend if they don't want to act friendly. And I can cut to the chase really, really quick. They made you cry? Make them cry. I mean, it's just one of those things, you know. I wasn't always biblical in my counsel. I was just really pragmatic in my counsel. And Carly would look at the heart. And she would see the tenderness of their heart. And even though there was a part of them, look, you know, if they don't want to be your friend today, then she wouldn't just say, get over it. That was my advice. Just get over it. And that's how she, she would look at the heart and she would see the tenderness of it. See, folks, what we have here, emotions, happiness is fleeting at times and it's very fickle. What made you happy a week ago doesn't necessarily make you happy tomorrow. There's a lot of things that made me happy at 21 that at 56 just really don't matter and vice versa. Things that I didn't really care about at 21, now at 56 I'm going, this is essential in life if I'm going to be happy. And so God doesn't say, here's your measure of happiness and here's what I proportion for you so that you can be happy people. I hope you are because remember, it's not unbiblical, it's not evil, it's not unscriptural to be happy, it's just not what God says gets us through to the next day sometimes. It's fleeting and it's fickle. And it's here and it's gone. And so the word that's describing Christians in the New Testament 142 times isn't, okay, I hope you're happy. No, he says, I want you to be rejoiced. I want you to be joyful. Based on what? Based on who Christ is and who you are in Christ. Because this is unchanging. No matter if the friends go with you or don't go with you. Whether the family gathering happens well and is coordinated or there's fighting and bickering and they leave worse than they came. At the end of the day, God has given us something solid. 
Let me, let me share with you just a couple of differences between happiness and joy so that we can really have that in our mind and our heart. We won't spend a lot of time. Uh, happiness, for the most part, is based on the external. Okay, almost always based on external things. If your boss called you in at, at the end of this year and said, you are getting a $25,000 raise for next year, how many people have the emotion, the synapses, all the feelings of happiness at that point? Yeah. But it's external. Okay. It's not internal. Nothing happened internal. I mean, some thoughts went off. Synapses, all the, the, the chemistry of thinking went on. But there's really nothing inside that happened. But that would make me happy. should make you happy. Is happy evil? No. Let's make sure that we don't. But it's an eternal. Not only is joy internal, but joy can be eternal. See, God is getting, in all the winds of change, God has given us an anchor. Have you ever heard the term anchor for your soul? We think about it sometimes, you know, sometimes, well, you know, Christ is the anchor for our soul. He is the anchor for our soul. Internal. Inside. Another difference, uh, happiness is, is, because it is kind of external, it's, it's based on circumstances. And uh, a lot of times what we really have to, is that uh, joy is based on choices. Do you have the ability in the morning when things are falling apart to make the choice to have joy? I see some yeses and some noes. Let me give you the biblical answer to that, okay? Yes. For all the people that said no, I'm not challenging you on the, the basis of that's real. I agree with you. It's very hard to do. But you can make the choice to have joy because joy, true joy, Christian joy, is based on what? On who Christ is and what he's accomplished and what is sure, not in all the changes that might happen that day. And so you can have the choice to have joy even in the midst of the most difficult times of our lives. That truly is, can be, life-changing God. Because all of a sudden you're not waiting for circumstances to work out. You're basing on something that is already said and done and true. Happiness can be faked. And I promise you, every one of us in here have, has faked happiness before. We, we put the smile on. Sometimes it's prudent. You know, it's, it's prudent to, to act like everything's okay. And yet nothing has changed on the inside. And so happiness can be faked. But true joy can't be faked. It comes from inside. And so where do we get this? Let's go back to the scripture. Look at verse 12. Verse 11, he said that, okay, this proclamation was made in verse 10. And he said, okay, I'm giving to you a Christ, a Savior. And then in verse 11, we see that come about that much more. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ's Lord. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This was given to, to who? Anybody follow who originally this is the audience of this? Verse 8 and 9? Shepherds. If you know anything about the economic structure of that day, shepherds are, if not the lowest man on the totem pole, right there at the lowest pole. 
And yet this proclamation that's coming from heaven, that's coming from God, is, is that, okay, you're going to find this sign. In other words, this is not just for the elite. This isn't for the scholarly. This isn't just for the people who are accomplished. This isn't for people who have their act together. You want to have joy? You, you don't have to have your whole act together to have joy. He says, Here, here's where you can find this joy. And he points us to the simplicity of a little baby laying in a manger. Where do we find this kind of joy? The answer, it's going to sound so churchy, but I promise you it's the only answer, is only in Christ Jesus. Folks, you're not going to find this in religion. You're not going to find this in practice morality, even though we are to be the most moral of people. Uh, You're not going to find this in an attempt to improve yourself, some kind of a self-improvement. This is not where joy comes from. It comes from the relationship that we have based on solid truth that is never changing. That Christ is Lord and he's the Savior. 142 times, New Testament, in description, giving us this word joy or rejoicing to describe you and I in response to this good news of the gospel. That word, more than any other word in the New Testament, used to describe how you and I should be perceived, what we should be filled with, more than any other word, let that sink in for a second, guys. Not to cause guilt, not to have a heavy weight upon your shoulders, but man, I just, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to start being more joyful. I said before, it's, it's, it's a choice. But the choice isn't, okay, I'm just going to be more joyful. No, the choice comes in, I'm just going to rest in who Christ is. I'm a firm believer that Christianity is not complex at all. It was never intended to be complex. It's probably one of the most simplistic things in all the world. Why? Because the work is accomplished. It's already done. There's nothing for you and I to achieve to accomplish it. We just rest in it. And resting in the finished work of Christ brings joy that is not you know, uh, bonded and connected to the emotions of how everything's going right now. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Last night we uh, we gathered with Carly's family for the first time uh, uh, since her mom's passing. Her mom loved Christmas and uh, graduated to heaven last Christmas Eve. And so this is not a inherently happy time for us this first year 
But I can tell you guys, there is joy. And I don't say that with bravado and, and, and with bragging and, oh man, we, we're going to be joyful. No, I can say that because Christ is Lord. And it is finished. But here's the thing, guys. When we get true joy based on what Christ has done, and we really rest in that, we really settle on that, guess what oftentimes follows? Not all the time. Actually, happiness comes. And when we walked away last night, we laughed. You know, we ate. We did all the things that we had done at, you know, seemingly many, many Christmases, year after year after year. And it was different. And yet, there was still happiness. Why? Because there was joy. See, when we try to get joy because of happiness as the foundation, as it's fleeting, it's fickle. You get joy in your life. You get, you just rest in Jesus Christ. You just count on him to do what Jesus has come to do. You just rest in that. Don't be surprised that even in sad times, challenging times, that you find, you know, that was, that was okay last night. Some tears, but man, some of them were happy tears. Does that make sense? Because that's, that can be revolutionary, guys. If you're trying to make joy come from happiness, it just doesn't work that way. Because it's all centered on Christ. I'm going to be quiet now. I'm going to, I'm going to finish up, but... I can't say enough about how simple God wanted to make this. He never wanted to make all of this complex, guys. Just rest in him this Christmas season. Rest in the finished work of Christ. And don't be surprised that in the midst of resting in the joy, this great joy that is coming, that you might find even on some things that can be challenging your life, but there's still some laughter. There's still some happiness because you've built it upon what Christ said would bring you great joy. This third week of Advent, we light the candle that represents joy and the joy that Christ has brought to us. Let's pray this morning. Father God, as we uh, dismiss for this day and Father, as we go out and Father, we will go back and, and the real test of what we shared this morning, Father, in song and, and Father, in, in the sermon, uh, Father, life, real life will test this out. And Father, my prayer this morning is that, uh, that Father, that you would make it so simple to us. That Father, we could exercise childlike faith and that, Father, we would truly just become more and more joyful people. Not because we have just practiced, Father, trying to, to put a, a fake smile on our face, but, Father, that we have truly come to a place where we're resting in your Son and all that was accomplished when you clothed yourself with flesh and you dwell among us. Father, there will be others like my wife that these days will be challenging. And so, Father, I thank you that as a husband, I don't have to fix this. 
I am so thankful that you fixed it 2,000 years ago. Because I can't hold my wife's heart. But you will hold it eternally. And for that, Father, I thank you. As a husband, I thank you for the incredible gift of joy. Father, we love you. As we pray, Father, and as we end with this song, Father, help us to keep it simple. Father, help us to come back and, and simply this morning, Father, uh, just rest in, in, in who you are. No matter what happens this day, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, and forevermore, Christ will be Lord, and you will be the Savior of men. And we rejoice in that, Father. We truly rejoice in that this morning. As we pray all this in the blessedness of his name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.